and you are welcome to the RF podcast. It is the 11th of August. It is the All-Ireland semi-final week. It's the run-up to the big game, Mayo versus Dublin. I think it's on everyone's minds. We talked earlier in the year about how maybe the championship wasn't building up as much as we were hoping or expecting. But uh, it's definitely on people's minds now as, as we as we get closer to the big game. One of the bonus pods we like to do, especially when we come up to the big games, we like to get in a few different guests, get in people that maybe have a different angle or a different experience at the at the big at the big teams and and, and the setups and and what goes behind the big machine that is Mayo and every other big team or club team in 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 Ireland. Tonight I'm joined with a well-known physio uh, involved with the Mayo senior team down through the years, minors. Under 20 successful teams, Ballinard based, uh, John Carell. John, thanks for coming on. That's a good one. Thanks for having me. Um, surprised and but delighted to be asked you here. So, um, go. Yeah, uh, I suppose, John, it was, a, I said earlier on there, I like to get a different scope on things or, you know, get people involved. You've, you've, you've been exposed to this side of, side of things. And it's something, I suppose that really really is on everyone's mind coming around this time of year it's it's injuries it's 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 the backroom teams the physicals the physical side of things um it's something that we really don't get to we get any information on and i suppose frustrates a lot of people um i put a thing up on instagram there lately andy robinson uh shared an injury update on his stories you'd never see it with a ga player why won't you release the info why won't you tell us well Good, good, good start to a question there. Anyway, um, I suppose uh, one is it's, it's a kind of it's an amateur game when you say in that sense. And I suppose you're, you're dealing with private kind of medical records of the player, you know. Also, is that um, you want to keep things um, nice, uh, nice and quiet in terms of perceived edges among other teams, like you know. So if, if you're releasing updates regarding certain players um, early, the other supposedly opposing team could probably uh, plan for. Uh, that player not being present and, and kind of how that's going to unfold throughout the game, you know, and and also in terms of a lot of the a lot of the injuries are sometimes um, quite quite fluid in terms of their um, rehabilitation. That the, the times can can sometimes change in how quickly they, they get back on, onto the field like that, you know. So um, ra- rather than saying setting the ceiling that this player is going to be out for a certain length of time, uh, sometimes those kind of um, Kind of recovery time, recovery times change, and also you want to kind of keep things um, nice and quiet. And also, it, it kind of for the for the group itself, it's also nice to know that there's nothing really um, being shared. And also, in terms of even from a medical point of view, if, if you were going to see a doctor or if you were going to see uh, a physio, um, I don't know how happy you would be in terms of that physio or doctor kind of releasing your kind of uh, prognosis in your recovery times like that. So I suppose in a in a professional kind of game like that, um, it's slightly different. But I suppose we're dealing with dealing with amateurs. It just happens to be very, very good at the hobby. Do you have? You would probably have a lot of uh, patients during the week. Um, would ask you a lot of questions, or would they be afraid nah, to kind no, of go near? No, and also the other thing is that I think you, you notice that a lot of the physios work with Mayo kind of in the background. So you, you hope you, you don't know. Um, who they are. I suppose we, the less of them you see them, the better. So uh, actually, for, for for my time now when I was there, I could count on maybe maybe one hand the amount of time someone asked you. And, I, and again, you just say, ah, look at see how we're getting on, and it's all good. You know, you just try and 
cash off as if the a player would answer the same way, like you know, you just see how things go, like you know. Yeah. Generally, people you're, are very respectful. You're lucky. You're lucky. I had to call into you for physio, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned there about the backroom team and and, and involvement in, in you know in in a camp and keeping things quiet and making sure everything works right. Um, is there a lot of feedback or in go between between like the strength and conditioning guys, uh, medical team? Like it must be it must be almost like a small company in terms of these meetings with guys wanting this guy, guys wanting this X, Y, and Z. Ah, yeah, your communication challenge, channels are, are, are key and, and being a good communicator is, is a key aspect of, of Vizio because you need to convey your message of, of what has happened, what they need to do and how long how long it takes to do it and also be able to convey it in a way that you, you show empathy with the player because it's, it's never good getting injured, you know, no one likes it and it, it sucks, like, you know, so, uh, but yeah, so you'd want to have kind of be able to work within a team and be able to kind of communicate messages effectively through the players and to the management and then to the conditioners and even linking in with everyone and the coaches if it's something a drill that might be a little bit difficult for this player at this time you kind of explain you might need to, to change it up a little bit or, or dealing with the, the S&C team in terms of you might tweak something in terms of their um, their general kind of conditioning program that might be a little bit more beneficial to where they're at at their stage of the recovery or if they're just keeping things ticking over nicely, you know, so. Would GPS uh, yeah. data be would re- reference in, in terms of this stuff or the workloads that they do? So, so GPS is, is helpful for uh, kind of markers for return to play. You can kind of see what players in terms of speed you'd like them to be hitting before you're exposing them to, to, to game situations, you know, but... Um, also kind of gives you some a visual kind of um kind of explainer to, to a player of, of where they're at and, and where they're like like you need them to be at to be um to be ready to go and um, i wouldn't hang my hat on this completely uh, it's, it's a useful tool like that sometimes you can get lost in the data and you can see this fellow's running 14 15 kilometers but like you know there's, there's a lot more in terms of like twist and turn and what what type of running is involved like you know so look it's a tool and it is definitely helpful but again what the player and the feedback is he's giving it in terms of what he's feeling and yeah. his confidence levels and his assessment of it i'd be working at that more like i said the best bit of technology you have is the opportunity lugs you know so um, <laughs> you don't want to get too lost in it um and it's probably something that's improving all the time uh, as players move forward sports science is in progressing all the time i always like to reference the ice baths um i think it was 2005 2004 they were like everyone had a had the con had the mortar tub in the dressing room they were all jumping in dipping out it's disappeared why and that, that why is it because the evidence has, has changed so what's that great cause i changed my mind when the facts changed you know so so the evidence has has kind of changed and that's the thing with physio you need to be able to maybe hold your hands up and let go of, of previous kind of technique techniques and not kind of uh, be too rigidly and stick to it you know so basically i recommend there's a really good book um christy um ashwand and i think it's called good to go recovery it's the strange science of recovery and basically she kind of um puts out the facts regarding sometimes ice back after um, say hard training and stuff like that it can be a little bit counterproductive because it's it's anti-inflammatory and you need a little bit of inflammation within the muscle to kickstart the next pro- start of the recovery process you know so there's yeah. another element of saying that some players like it and there's a bit of uh, 
the placebo effect of it and they, they feel good after it and that's fair enough but the the counter argument has added and I think those need to be careful of if you're if you're giving people placebos that can kind of turn into a nocebo which is something that you kind of does nothing and you kind of feel reliant on it that a player doesn't feel right if he doesn't get a bat like so what if if a team's up the country and you're playing away to I don't know Wicklow or something and no ice bats available and yeah. the player is going wild I need my ice bat you know so there's there's a balance to be struck, I suppose, in yeah. how you apply these things. I know, I, 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 like, I, I completely agree with you. I know, I know, in my own field, we, 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 we work to to be proven wrong, and that's how you ultimately improve things. So that's a great point you mentioned about the placebo, and you know, we've all had cold figures in our own clubs, and I'm sure in Ballina had someone with a knee brace back in the day, and. The, the the way things changed is the is the day of the knee brace gone completely is it just going to be strapping are we going to see the big bad boys back? Oh, I don't know. Look, I never ruled anything out. First rule of, of anything is be open to things. What the evidence uh, shows us. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's funny. Like taping visually, visual taping in Gaelic football isn't as prevalent as in um, say rugby. Like if you look at the the rugby lads, their their knees are, are taped to the hilt and suppose like that. Now obviously it's a little bit of a slightly different game in terms of directions and turning and, and angles but um, it's just probably culturally like that and also soccer you never see anyone any tape on whatsoever and, yeah. you know, apart from that that sticky blue stuff that you see going down the back of the leg so, um, what, what is that? What is that? Like I see I know is it called magic tape or something I know a lot of the older the older generations um, that listen to this podcast will see the young lads going out with the little stripes on their legs on their hamstrings or they're on their groin or um, and and, it, and I can I can I can feel and hear the frustration of some of these old fellas when they see these lads taped up with this stuff. Is this another placebo or is this just another? Like, what's the what's the technology or the reason for this magic tape? Oh, I would I'd be one of those old fellas now to be honest. Also, I'd be um, <laughs> you know something that I'd be particularly um, enamoured with with providing as, as a treatment. You know, but uh, the the rationale is is that it's it's, it's applied it's a tape that applies to a skin that doesn't come off quite easily. It's, able to handle twisting and turning and uh, one of the theories behind it is particularly it lifts the skin a little bit and allows the muscle to move a little bit easier underneath or, or the fascia underneath. Now to be honest um, the evidence behind that is very low to be honest with Anthony. and again it's one of those things that potentially could be a, a placebo develop into a, a nocebo that a guy needs this stuff on him and sometimes you do what it takes to to make the player feel right at that time. So everything in its own has its own place, I suppose. Um, but again, it'd be not not something that you want to um, do long term. If anything, if you see a player coming up to you with that on his leg, you'd be like, right, let's let's run this lad hard here now, like you know, <laughs> or or let's see, um, and kind of give you a little bit of a, a link into their belief system a little bit, you know. So if anything, you should be delighted to see the opposing team coming with that stuff on. Yeah, pet peeves um, as a physio. In, in regards to club footballers, is there anything that you can't say enough to to you know if they come in yeah. green yeah. and you're like what's the what's the thing you're like you where are you getting this from? Um, pet peeves. I suppose the 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 time spent on the one percent stuff and the two percent stuff and the not the the lack of time spent on the ninety eight percent stuff that's actually shown to be effective. So turning up for training, good to go have eaten well during the day, have slept well the night before, and they're focused, they're ready to go. They're not coming in and like 
just saying, dropping a, oh, I have a bit of a, a niggle here with you at, at the last second. If they, if they kind of alert you to something earlier, you can kind of do something about it or intervene, you know. But definitely, I think people like, especially this, it, uh, the kind of modern era, like social media and stuff like that, like everyone wants to get a five-second Instagram video or some, something kind of, something new and different, some Chinese beeswax that you rub into the sole of your foot or something, something stupid like that, right? Where... Like, literally, the, the thing that's, that's been proven to, to help performance and proven to help recovery between training sessions is sleep, you know? And so no one puts up a video of themselves sleeping, you know, so that wouldn't get many, like, many likes, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's not good content, well, unless, you know, it depends on what you're doing in your sleep. But um, it's 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 an interesting point you made about the, the five-second videos and this uh, these... these um, strength and conditioners and strength and conditioning guys and these guys that do the 10 minute courses and now they're they're famous all of a sudden like does it do, do you think it's it's there's so much misinformation out there now that it's it's it's, it's probably gone a bit clouded now yeah i have i definitely have look but the, i suppose i always try to look at things from from the opposing side of view so it's easy to be kind of sucked down and and and, and follow your own biases so so when if someone is doing something a bit different and um, maybe their their perception is they're ahead of the game they're going to do something different and then the evidence will come later you know and then they'll be proven right you know but at the minute we try to apply kind of evidence-based stuff that's been shown to be worked over large populations and, and good studies and stuff with good studies conducted well and stuff like that you know so yeah and there is a lot of misinformation out there, you know, but I think the general rule of thumb is that you train hard, you eat well afterwards, and you sleep, and you get ready to go. And it's sometimes the simple stuff is the hardest stuff to apply. We all want the quick fix or the easy stuff, you know, so that's just we are as humans. That's kind of human psychology, I suppose. We just want the Shortcut. handy route, like, you know. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of questions uh, last season with the start of the club campaign and the week on week on um schedule now it's it was the big talking point on the podcast last year about how you know injuries is going to play a massive part in last season and who's going to win yet when we look back there wasn't an a monumental amount. There wasn't even a normal amount of injuries. I think a lot of people, a lot of players, got through the season and teams relatively injury-free without, you know, obviously those big breakages or collisions and stuff. Um, this year it's been different. Now there was a long run-in with training last season to the point where it was game on, game on compared to this season, where I think it was a relatively short period before game started. What's the science or what's the reason behind, because I know a lot of teams are suffering injuries, do you think that what I've said is, is there any correlation between it or is it just that it's, I've picked up on a few prominent players and a lot of teams at Nagel so far this season? Or are you really busy with work? <laughs> oh, we are busy with work, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look, there's a bit of, like everything, there's loads of variables and saying kind of broad statements can be sometimes um, problematic. But what I would say last year is probably the, the change of stimulus for a lot of players was good in terms of they're out doing something different that they hadn't been done for a while. It was these long kind of 5K challenges that everyone was throwing up. The, the Ross Barkley challenge was flat out on, on Twitter like last year, you know. And then they had a nice kind of, everyone was kind of mindful of 
um, getting back into training. Everyone's just so delighted to get back into training. It was a nice kind of steady kind of run into it, and then they were ready to go. Now, this year has been different as people are kind of ready to go quickly, and the training is, is trying to match game intensities quite quickly. And I think some things that I find is, is that sometimes the, the, the game at the weekends and then two training sessions during the week can sometimes be a little bit problematic in terms of, this is my own opinion, that if, if one of the midweek sessions was quite hard, um, and then the, the second session was slightly um, more sort of deloaded or, or more tactical, but what happens is that people get giddy on the second session and, we, and, and ball goes in and there's a, an extra bit of um, training involved and there's maybe a small-sided game and the boots are on and everyone's kind of chomping at the bit to get going and then it's probably the cumulative effect of that and then the following game at the weekend and that has a recovery time with that and then the following training and then there's another session penciled in and it can just um, it can just catch up with, with some players like some players can just become overloaders and then it, it happens and an injury presents them like especially non-contact injuries like contact injuries that's the football you can't like you, know, you can't do anything yeah. like that you know but yeah, it's just the. I think it's just the, the probably the different stimulus last year, and then people trying to match game demands quite quickly. Which I can the rationale is that you have to use train hard enough to play hard enough, but probably the the second and also the individual variation as well. I also think this is not um, noted enough to be honest. Is that the individual variations within the team is massive. Like you could have one lad who's working a courier driver, driving out to Apple next day after training. He's getting up early. He's eating a pack of the minstrels for his for his lunch, and then Connor Connor Diskin, you're on about. Just because he's a courier down in Ackle, and I meet right. him in Newport. Is he? Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was he come across the type of fella that eats a pack of minstrels for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to mention. Go on. Go on. Hero, hero of a man, great time for him. Um, yeah. One other, what I see is that the and then another player could be a national school teacher, or a second school teacher. I'm sure, he's sitting up sweet up for the day like you know or or he's, he's nice and relaxed he doesn't have the stresses or another person could have a, a newborn baby and their sleep is broken and that can come a, an issue so it's, it's just something that's kind of restricting their recovery between um, training yeah. sessions and, thing. and that and that's an individual thing and it's hard to manage when you imagine like managing a squad of, of everyone to keep a track on everyone in the professional kind of game they're in a bubble and you can kind of this work you can lim- limit what to do like you know yeah, I, you mentioned there about the profession. It's a big thing, and it's, it's something that isn't very prominent now in club footballers, builders, or people that do physical labour um, Monday to Friday. Do you think if you did do the physical labour and you were, let's just say, for instance, you're a labourer or a blockler, you're lifting, you're you're pulling, you're dragging, you're pushing all day long. Do them guys still? Do you think them guys still need? The gym sessions in the evening. Um. Well, you can probably tailor it a little bit, you know, and give them more kind of power-based kind of kind of stuff when required. You know that, like that's the the conditioner's speciality. You know. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I would say definitely tailor. But there's, there's a lot to be said for, for for manual work in terms of just moving, because these people are moving all day, like you know, and the way the way work is going now, people are becoming more kind of. Sedentary people are behind screens, either either wind screens or, or or computer screens, and then TV screens. You know, so like at least the lads who are out lifting and um, outside, there's a there's a definite um, 
és könnyűnek a titula el kell mondani, hogy like in fairness, games are relatively modern, and it's convention in the last like 20-30 years, like there's no, no games, my, my grandfather and my dad were, were, were playing a bit of ball, like you know, so uh, it's just the way life is really at the minute. You have, you ha- was it your grandfather that was on the senior team, no, Greg? Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was on the team in the Turkeys, and then he was the uh, co-trainer in fifty. Uh, with three with three medals in the house, right? Brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah, physios. I wanted to mention as well. I suppose when it comes to older players, look when you when you, when you're like, I'd love to know: is their data collated in GEA four, maybe age profile, club players, something like that? Is there a certain trend to injuries? Is there anything that sort of pops up with this data? Like we say, hammers for young fellas, hip flexors for the old lads. Is there any sort of... Not, not in particular, but there's one, two, two big uh, risk factors for injury. Is, is One is age and the other one is um, uh, previous injury. So they're, they're called non-modifiable risk factors. So you can't really change them. Um, so if you're older, you're definitely more at, at risk. And that's just human physiology, I suppose muscle power and strength and be able to recover, you know, so that an 18-year-old or 19-year-old go out and train four or five nights a week and have a scalp point at the weekend and, and you'd be all right, like, you know, where yeah. other lads, if, as you get older, um, it, it, the body changes and it needs to be a bit kind of cuter in terms of how you prepare and, and especially how you recover, like, you know, because it's, uh, it's definitely the recovering is, is, is the bigger problem as you get older. Like everyone knows you feel stiffer and sore um, as you get older when you get out of bed. Like I'd be walking like John Wayne sometimes after a, a hard, hard training session on the track, you know, where a few years ago I was I was doing car fields, like, you know, out of the bed. You're, you're, you're a well-renowned runner in, in around Ballina anyway. I hear a lot of people on about you. I've seen you on the road actually a couple of times I've been going by. Um, how did you get into that? Was, were, you always, were you always into the running? Uh, I suppose I got into it through my old lad. He played soccer um, a couple of years when he was younger and he broke his leg and then he started running and he returned to fitness and then I kind of uh, probably absorbed a bit of that um, growing up. Now I did play a bit of football when I was younger but again I got I got roasted after uh, after a mistake in about an under 12 or 13 match down in Kalala. I still remember it. It was, shocking. <laughs> it was a shocking ball in fairness and the actual coach the coach and manager actually destroyed me after, so I was like, "So if this wasn't a, it wasn't a good experience." I was saying, "Right, if I go running now, um, I can never, I can't let anyone else down. I have to look after myself. I'm the only one responsible for." Yeah. So that's how I, I suppose, I got into it. But look, I still love football more than anything. But yeah. it happened to be, um, I'd be okay at running, and also it's a good quiet time as well. Like I spend around the day talking to people. You can move it too. You can move it too. Um, personal best for the five k. Uh, 1540 last year. Yeah. Jesus Christ above! I don't think I've, I don't think I've drove that some days going through Ballina. Ah, but look at that, 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 that. But that's not see the thing about times is that I never get too, too hung up on times because there's always someone back to me. So 1540 isn't, isn't worth anything compared to. There was, there wasn't the many, days. there wasn't many putting that up on Instagram at the beginning of the last lockdown. In fairness, unless they were tinkering with, uh, I know, tinkering yeah. with the Strava. Um. How did you get into the physio, John? Like, was it always something you kind of wanted to get into? I suppose did you just when you were doing the running, you probably noticed more things about your body, or where did it come out of? 
funny one. I went down when I was about 12 or 13, myself and my cousin went down to some career guidance fella. Down, I think it was maybe a bit older, maybe about 14, 15. But down to some career guidance fella down in Sligo. I had to fill out about 500 questions of some form of some kind of personality kind of stuff like that. And he just came back and said um, physiotherapy and healthcare. And I did, I have to tell I didn't really have any sort of um, inclination going down that way. But maybe he biased me towards that and kind of directed me. But yeah, I just kind of like like kind of um, communicating with people. I'm interested in sports. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice kind of combination of, of interest. Like, yeah. yeah. And you'll be in Ballon after the foreseeable future? Yeah, that's the plan. Hope he's God now, yeah. All good. And, uh, all good. and, and, and on the sidelines? Sidelines yeah. with uh, with Balena. Uh, I kind of in the is in the background a little bit. Um, yeah. So kind of doing the kind of um, kind of more kind of uh, clinical based kind of rehab. I'd be there at, at some ga- some games like that, but um, trying to be as helpful as I can always. Yeah. Well, John, I must say you answered a lot of questions I had about physios and a lot of, I suppose, things that annoy a lot of fans and frustrations that come with it and I know you're all trying to do your job or whatever but it would you know sometimes it would be nice to hear what's happening as as, as the other teams know you know um but uh, I must say very enjoyable chat there now and um I'm, I'm I'm a little bit wiser as to what goes on in the bigger picture when it comes to uh football in Mayo and all over Ireland um very grateful for your time very interesting chat now well worth the, the half an hour uh, and the rush home to get in there and I really do appreciate you you coming on John oh, thanks William thanks for having me no bother and uh, I'm sure we'll be crossing paths again over something stupid on Twitter yeah absolutely always, no, always up to crack lovely thank you very much John so, bye, bye. alright bye bye